everybody. It's Lindsay with the Hit Me Up Club. I am so excited. This week, I have an amazing guest. His name is Corey Schneider. Hey there. Hey. <laughs> you are CEO, founder, president, all the buzzwords for the New York Adventure Club, which is fantastic. Oh, and thank it you. sounds as cool as it is, Adventure Club. It was but... almost it originally started as New York Adventure Club for non-boring people, but I decided really to change it the in the first week because it's not just for non-boring people it's for boring people who want to be non-boring so aspirational to, boring i wanted people. to open it up for everyone that makes sense that's nice all the boring people you can come that's to right. it's fine <laughs> yeah i mean I, I was boring right so i you know you were i didn't want to exclude myself boring but at that you know in the early days pre-adventure club pre-adventure just... club but you know when i was trying to kind of find myself uh, in the in the big city just walking around, painting walls. Yeah, watching no, grass grow. Well, when you know, I when I you know when I moved here seven and a half years ago, it was for a corporate corporate job. I used to work at Time Inc. in uh, consumer marketing. Uh, unfortunately, Time Inc. doesn't uh, exist anymore. Technically, Meredith took it over. That's another story. But mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, the publishing uh, ship is continues to sink. Uh, but anyway, I so I moved here you know, seven and a half years ago for that. Uh, for that job and uh, I joke I I fell in the bubble when I did uh, you know it's an overwhelming city it's difficult to meet people so you tend to stay in your comfort zone uh, and for that first year I was here I figured New York was just about restaurants bars and brunch because that's what my friends were doing predominantly with their time <laughs> uh, and after that uh, after a year uh, the monotony of work caught up bars and, and, and that uh, built up and I had my early life crisis right on right on cue. Uh, Ooh, fun! So much fun, uh, and I you know f- I realized first I wasn't doing doing anything fulfilling in my spare time, uh, and two supposedly it's the greatest city in the world. That's what everyone says, but I didn't know anything about it. And I was a little embarrassed, a little ashamed of that. So I made a self pack that every weekend I'll go out, do something, go somewhere, explore the city. I wanted to be an expert in something. Didn't know what that would be, but I figured if I kept this packed up, I would find what I was looking for happily uh-huh. ever after. Uh, so, yeah, I kept that up for a year and a half. Uh, and, you know, it was important for me when I came in on Monday morning to the water cooler that my response to how my weekend was wasn't, oh, it was good or it was relaxing or boring or something. Like, I wanted to have something to say. Uh, and so, yeah, for that year and a half, you know, kept it up and I was just loving new york and it's all 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 of its oddities uh and and, you know these weekends would include just going to random neighborhoods just pick on a map or you know going to a certain specific historic location or a hole-in-the-wall restaurant and just to try to try to like get a flavor for the city piece by piece um and you know but through that period it was still difficult to get my those core friends out uh, sure. you know, the idea of going to Flushing Queens at 10 a.m. on a Saturday was not their idea of fun. Uh, but I was determined to somehow convince them otherwise. Uh, so I created a Facebook group, originally New York Adventure Club for non-boring people, uh, and invited invited all those 20, 20 friends into it. And all it was uh, was essentially a newsletter. I would curate a weekly newsletter of interesting events that I found online and I figured that if I uh, had this list together, they would be more inclined to join. Uh, unfortunately, I was speaking to myself 
in this group. And this is uh, t- late 2013. I actually started the club on my birthday of 2013. Okay. Because it was like the new chapter yeah. of my life. New year, new me. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and then so when that didn't really work, uh, so early 2014, I decided that maybe if I did all of the work, they would have to show up. So I, I booked a private tour once a week for one month at an interesting place in the city. Uh, bought the tickets, set the dates and the times. Uh, I, I figured if I did did all this work, that they, they wouldn't be able to flake out. Uh-huh. Uh, wary, though, that they were going to flake out, I promoted one of those tours in a, in a local blog uh, in the city. And uh, I wrote the history of the place we were visiting. And at the end, I had a link to the Facebook group that said, join New York Adventure Club where you know, we're going to this place. We're being like, I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> uh, me as in you we as, and me. That's, that's right. Try to get, rope them in. Uh, and I, I was at work, uh, my full-time job. It was a Friday afternoon. And, you know, I was expecting maybe two or three people to join the club. I, I just didn't want to lose all my money on this tour. That's why I wrote the article in the first place, uh-huh. uh, the blog in the first place. But to my surprise... A hundred people joined the Facebook group asking how to get a ticket to this, to this event. I was not selling tickets for, so uh-huh. uh, an immediate panic of like, and then going online like ticket you know, ticket uh, service, and uh-huh. uh, like I didn't know what to do. Uh, but uh, you know, definitely just tried to fake it till I made it because people were asking, "Oh, I can't believe I haven't heard of Adventure Club. How you know? How have I not stumbled upon this?" I'm like, "Oh, well, it's a really." Uh, grassroots underground uh, organization um only for non-boring only for non-boring so (laughs) where have you been yeah yeah where have you been um but that was a catalyst that showed there were other people like me that were that were interested in urban exploration and up until that point there were all of these great websites and blogs that wrote about these interesting places but no one was going and doing it and trying to organize people to go and not just any people but people who who lived here Mm -hmm. and trying to connect them with these people in places that I would argue really represent the identity of New York. And so kind of like from that moment, it, it was like I knew what I needed to do. I knew it was going to take a lot of time uh, to build all those relationships. And that's what it gets down to. Um, I mean, you can use any business term you want, but in the end, it's just it's just you know, me getting to know someone else and and seeing how we can work together. Uh, and uh, for the, you know, uh, and it, primarily at the, in the beginning it was all it was just tours behind the scenes tours and then uh, you know was, uh, you know from that point maybe a year or two later that's when we started incorporating more social events so um, you know everything from you know spirit tastings or you know workshops of different sorts or you know uh, holiday parties so we you know our first halloween party was actually in a crypt uh in, cool. in harlem yeah underneath a church which uh, church it was uh, Church of the Intercession on 155th and Broadway. I've totally been there. Have you? I've been in one of the mausoleums there. I was doing a movie and the production office was up there. And so it was like a perfect spring day. And so when I got done with my fittings, I was just walking down the street and came across that massive cemetery. And then I saw all these mausoleums that were in it. And one of them was open. So obviously I went inside. Obviously. It was also the middle of the afternoon on a spring day. It wasn't the middle of the night. <laughs> it's a perfect time to get a mausoleum. Yeah. And I went walking. in and, you know, the wall is always the, I don't want to say pods, but the different 
spaces for different bodies and half the pods were empty and I just thought this might be the only chance I have to lie in a mausoleum <laughs> and know what it's like because I'm alive. So I climbed it. It's turning into a Goosebumps book or a novel. A Goosebumps book. And yeah. then I was cursed. Um, but yeah, I've totally been there and I've laid in a mausoleum wow. in that cemetery. I can't even I can't even <laughs> say I, I've done that. I mean, you win, it's definitely you win. a weird thing. It just seemed like I'm not going to have another opportunity You're to not. do this. If I'm laying in a mausoleum any other time, I'm probably dead. So I'm not going to be able to register what that's <laughs> yeah, until like. Until you own a cemetery. Um, yeah. This is the best. Yeah. The next best thing. Yeah. I just want to experience it all. <laughs> Got to do that one. Sorry. Continue. No, no, no. So yeah, they have a uh, columbarium underneath uh, one of the older columbariums in, in the U.S. And uh, yeah, it's like 3,200 square feet, you know, bigger than most of our apartments. Um, and uh, yeah, we had a Halloween party, which is actually, I think back at it, think back at it, having now, you know, now that this is over five years old, I'm like, wow, that was really bold of me to have this, to like rent this space and mm-hmm. have this party when I didn't know like really what I was doing. And definitely didn't like have the money to uh, support a big failure, uh-huh. uh, which are things I think about for any future. But that's large why events. you launch with something big. If that's you right. had launched with something smaller, that's right. it could have failed. But you came out of the gate running Boom. mausoleum party, fake it like, till you make underground it. crypt party. Yeah, yeah. Like. Fake it till you make it. Really does help for for a while. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, for the first two years. Uh, of adventure uh, of adventure club uh, it was a side gig because you know it was not paying the bills uh and you know it started as a once a week event uh, or frequency uh then it grew to maybe two or three maybe four a, a week uh and at that point it was getting very difficult to balance that and my full-time job that pays the bills uh and I, the goal was that adventure club would magically do well enough where i would simply leave my job and you know, uh, dedicate my time to the to my startup. I guess a blessing in disguise. Uh, there were some layoffs uh, to our department, um, and I was caught up in in them. It, it was a surprise. Uh, I, I was surprised, but I was not devastated. I was not devastated. I, you know, when I got walked in, into the office to to be let, let go, like I knew I knew exactly what I was going to do the Monday. You know, I think it was a Friday. I knew exactly what I was going to do ne- the, the week after. And I made sure to, you know, wake up at the same time that I would for work and just kind of put the Adventure Club hat on and say, okay, doing this full time. And uh, also what helped was the was the severance, the couple months of severance after working there for a little over four years. And, and that, was the, that was the moment where it was, it, it was a now or never, especially in New York. It was never get this. I was never going to get this opportunity again, where someone was paying me to not do anything for them, right? Uh-huh. Uh, and so, you know, I used that and some, you know, money that I'd saved saved up to at least create enough runway. Where, you know, I gave myself until the end of the end of the year, and this was uh, February of 2016, I believe. Uh-huh. Uh, so I gave myself essentially a year to like get the, you know, get it off the ground enough, and. You know, the priority was uh, paying for rent. That's the bulk of, that's still the yeah, like bulk of my expenses, right? As long as I could pay my rent, then, you know, I'm still in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, and that was a little over three years ago. And so, uh, you know, it's it's now grown. Now we have around 10 events a week. Um, 
the community. So a member, it's a public club. Anyone can join the club. A member is someone... Boring or not boring. Boring or not boring, absolutely. Uh, And uh, a member is someone who signed up with a newsletter. We don't have a blog. It's all about events, whether our events or events going on around the city, Mm -hmm. since we still curate that weekly newsletter. Uh, And now the membership is uh, approaching 12,000 now. And so it's been, you know, it's been quite a ride. And, you know, people, you know, people are like, oh, my God, 12,000. I'm like, well, you know, I, when you're there from the beginning, it, it's, it's just, you know, it's been growing slowly and steadily uh, for the last five, you know, ish years. So, uh, you know, uh, you know, over that time, it's it's been manageable. Right. And, and I want it to stay that way, because if it let's say it jumped to 50,000 tomorrow, then, you know, am I am I ready for that sort of that sort of spike? because um, there's a lot of other things that kind of come, you know, come with that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, throughout the, it's amazing how my life took a, took a left turn. Uh, you know, now, you know, what I, what will probably be for another season in your podcast was <laughs> my, was my music career. Uh, and that was my main aspiration was, you know, recording artist, uh, pianist, singer. I, you know, had bands in high school, college. And then when I moved here, uh, I was doing five days a week with another songwriter. So it was like, you know, that was my second job. And then uh, this, you know, this conflict came uh, when I had my full-time job. New York Adventure Club was a thing. And then my music career and, you know, I had to make a very difficult choice. Which one was I going to put on pause? And I decided, I could, you know, I could always come back to my music career, um, but I can't come back to Adventure Club. Uh, and it just felt like I felt like I knew what to do. Like I, I knew, I felt like I knew the steps. I didn't know like how I'd get like, you know, what, how it would turn out, but I knew at least how to, how to build it, you know, versus, you know, music where there's, you know, there's always some underlying insecurities when it gets down to writing. Um, you know, I was, I felt like I was depending on my writing partner to be there. Um, you know, I was not the person who's going to sacrifice, you know, live on the street and, you know, and, and, and try to try to make a career in music. Uh, and I think that once I made that distinction, um, I was a lot more comfortable with that, with that decision. Cause, cause I, I could always come, come back, you know, and, uh, and perform. Right. And, and maybe even, you know, sell songs, even though I wouldn't want to do that. Um, but, uh, you know, I had to choose the route that uh, was most sustainable and that would give, uh, provide me the most opportunities. And that's what I felt New York Adventure Club, you know, uh, you know, promised on paper, at least, uh, it was that. If this works out, that I can I can go whatever you know which whichever way I want, mm-hmm. versus if I just like stuck to let's say music, where then I wouldn't have as many opportunities. Sure. If that if that makes sense, a little little tangent, but I I never really like, mentioned that part of the story of like the spiel, um, but I think it kind of think it's think it's important because uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you know there were, there was another like another startup. Yeah, you know, and but and it just didn't work out as much because I didn't really I wasn't a hundred percent in in it right like I enjoyed it I still enjoy it I still enjoy writing and performing um, but you know was it gonna be my career and you know it, like kind of like my life's work uh, I don't know and but with Adventure Club something just about it felt so comfortable I felt this is like I like, I know how to how to build this and it and it, it feels good and so um, uh, and I think that was that's what you know, really made the difference. And, uh, cause, uh, you know, you're, you're in, you know, you're in a startup, but you know, to, I can't imagine running a startup and not being 110% in it. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause every day 
it's uh, you know i'm working right however like the flip side is i want like this is what i want to do mm-hmm. so it doesn't you know it doesn't feel like work as i guess cliche as that as that may sound uh, like earlier today i was uh, i you know I, I was in port washington this morning uh someone had tipped me off about a synagogue tour that i should take i'm like okay i mean that sounds interesting mm-hmm. um you know, we'll see where it goes. And apparently the synagogue was in a, in a former mansion in Port Washington. So, okay, oh. that's cool. Uh, we're all about so, repurposing oh, things. Yeah, oh, that's absolutely. Why, that, hey, I, I think yeah, that, I think that's relevant. So, uh, you know, they, they took over this, this mansion, uh, this mansion uh, quite a while ago. Uh, and so the tour, you know, we started on the third floor, which is, you know, usually the servants' quarters for these you know, these Gilded Age mansions, not servants' quarter anymore, of course. Uh, and then worked our way down to the the main level, and you know you can see how they adapted classrooms and offices into these former dining rooms and former uh, you know boardrooms or uh, or you know mess you know some uh-huh. sort of mess hall. Uh, but then what absolutely blew me away was the basement. Now, basement. I've been in some, you know, basements of the Gilded Age mansions, and they're, and they're definitely interesting. You I feel know, like it's maybe... rare for there to be a lot of basements around here. Around here, well, the the mansions, the mansions out there. Um, okay. When you to that size of a, of a house, uh, they you know, in order to just make sure they function properly, you have these you know, fern huge furnaces, um, yeah, and just like this, uh, you know. Uh, these uh, this maze of tunnels underneath, you know, and uh, underneath these mansions to you know, like keep them running properly. But anyway, so I was expecting boiler room and kind of these stat these static rooms, and you know, some of them would have a wine cellar, which this one did. That's what we started at. So I'm like, okay, this is you know, a nice little basement. Uh, maybe we can make a tour out of this. But then, uh, what I did not realize is this family had a little more fun with their basement, uh, and this is you know, this is. That's a hundred years ago. Uh, you know, maybe I think in the in the twenties or, or in the twenties or thirties, they they made these additions to the to the sub level. Um, one included like this beautiful Art Deco bathroom. Now, m- mind you, it's a Tudor style mansion, so like you know, it has that historic look on the outside. But then all of a sudden, this like Art Deco, you know, Art Deco bathroom. Hmm, that's interesting. And then this, uh, they they the family had this bar that they had in the in the recreation room, and it. The style, the closest I could, I could describe it as, it would be like neo Egyptian. Uh, okay. Like there were like these totem poles, but had like this, this Egyptian feel it was to it. A very bougie very version very of bo- all eyes on Egypt. That's that's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Bushwick could go nuts. Uh, uh, and then, uh, and then there was a, a bowling alley uh, in it, and then uh, a pool, but not just any pool, but a pool in that same weird. Neo Egyptian style, where like they're like uh, maybe actually probably Egyptian's not the right. It's it's probably like like Incan, uh, like Neo Incan. Like had, it's hard to describe. That's I'll have to show you pictures. That's more specific. I know, very. I know. It's just like what is going on. And then the bathrooms uh, had, uh, you know, were these, uh, you know, had like seagulls painted on the on the on the walls and these uh, like submarine looking hatches on the on the uh, ceiling to, I guess, represent, you know, represent the, the windows uh, above, uh, under the sky. But then, uh, let's see. And then what really took it away was the, uh, they had a shooting range, but not like just, it was like a, sh- it was like a shooting gallery you'd find in Coney Island. 
you know, okay. like the ducks. Yeah. So, and they had this in the basement. It was just mind blowing. I'm, uh, it's tough to, you know, tough to describe it without the without the pictures, but um, just to like see like this. Did you take pictures? Just like oh, I, I had my camera with me. Oh well, maybe just to I'll see post like them in the episode, like, guys. You know, so people yeah, know what we're talking it's like what about. You know, like what the hell is Coney Island doing in Port Washington? Uh, and anyway. So that was before so this. Uh, talking about repurposed. Yeah. So the, yeah, it is an active synagogue. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like you would never know. And that's kind of the story of every street and every building in New York. It's like. You would never know. You would never know. know. I, yeah, and that's it's happened at so many occasions where maybe I worked here or I get coffee there. And it was six years later that I realized a floor above is like someone doing the craziest thing you know, imaginable. And I just or the, the most beautiful you know, interior, you can, you can, you can imagine, but you mm-hmm. just never walked in. Um, yeah. Maybe let's go on that tangent a little bit. It's not quite what we initially talked about, but things that are like repurposed or not what you're expecting in New York, kind of along the lines of this. Yeah. Synagogue. Well, repurposed, uh, I mean, the Harkness house, uh, on 75th street and fifth Avenue. Uh, it's, I'd say it's one of the best preserved Gilded Age mansions in left, uh, in New York. Uh, so the Commonwealth Fund uh, uh, resides in it, and the Commonwealth Fund was created by the owner, the original owners of the house. So it had that smooth transition, and so smooth that they just used all all of the original furniture in the house. And so okay. it's like a fifty. I think there's around fifty people in the office, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, they're but they're working at like the original desks, and they're working in the original, you know. Um, parlors and living rooms of this you know five six story Mm -hmm. uh building and it's just like mind-blowing how they have adapted a modern business Mm -hmm. to this you know uh extravagant gilded age mansion and which which i you know i could not appreciate more because uh too many more often than not well first of all the gilded age mansions are you know, or his item, you know, these historic buildings are just knocked down or if they are still standing, they've been gutted or they don't contain the original, any of the original fixtures or furniture, uh, and they're usually a shell of themselves. But to see, you know, you, you get a very clear sense of how the family lived over a hundred years ago. And that, and that sort of connection is, you know, I think is, uh, is rewarding, right? Cause you know, uh, and just, you know, you get a, you get a, a peek at what, what life was like, mm-hmm. uh, back then i mean uh, granted the 0.001 percent uh you know right. of, of people who you know 100 years ago but uh you know that was a you know, really interesting way of kind of repur- uh, repurposing uh a building and you know and you see you see cases like that mm-hmm. um but you you know you need people in, the, in those organizations to care enough yeah to uh you know to preserve them mm-hmm. i love that your first example though was a really genuine one because i think in new york so often when we think of repurposing buildings it's so often oh these condos were once a book binding factory <laughs> yeah. like this building was once in like the zipper factory the zip, yeah. like stuff like that and so it's really cool that your first go-to example was something more traditional yeah definitely <laughs> i mean i'm uh, a lot of people will come up to me and ask me hey you should do a tour of this building and you know it might be a named building that looks beautiful on the outside uh and maybe i'll I'll be able to create and get get a meeting at at this location they go inside and it's boring as shit 
uh-huh. you know, it's and it would be such a letdown. Yeah, sure, maybe I could make a tour, uh, but at that point, I'm just committing fraud because I'm just, you know, tricking you into thinking it's this ornate. Really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, um, and I, I, you know, there's a big kind of debate in, in real estate and, 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 you know, in the design world, um, you know, how, that, you know, it's important that for all of these companies and organizations to realize that there there's a lot of value in you know in these in historic structures yeah uh and you know if you do take over a building that has this you know the story to tell that's what it gets down to right uh that you try to preserve as much as you can yeah uh, and you know you don't have to i'm not gonna be i'm not gonna be the guy who says you should preserve every room exactly how it was because you know you have to repurpose it for your for your needs but definitely try to preserve as, as much as possible because mm-hmm. um, once again it gets down to that story and if you're going to say you're in the zipper factory i better see like a, lo- a factory line of zippers uh you know I in your rec see room the ykk's <laughs> on the wall <laughs> yeah i better see that or you know, i'm going to be disappointed uh, i totally agree though that there's just a lot of this uh you know these buzzwords and, mm-hmm. and you know i'm trying to or even you know uh, uh, companies trying to take advantage of a certain neighborhood. Like, sure. so look, look what look what's happened to Dumbo, and I yeah. mean, it's like, what is Dumbo even? Uh, what is it even these days? Like, is there anything left? <laughs> right. Uh, it's uh, well, that's like I used gentr- to live in Bushwick, and there was the arcade bookbinding factory on Wyckoff Avenue, and it was very operational. I think until they decided to close it and build condos. But then they literally tore the whole building down and then they built this massive six or seven story condominium complex and it was called the bookbinding apartments. And I was just thinking, this isn't even the building that was there. <laughs> it's crazy. It's, I guess, on the land where it was, but there's really no tie to the bookbinding factory that was here. So I thought that was kind of a cheap shot we'll yeah say. well uh you know contrary to domino park and the and domino uh factory on the Brooklyn yeah. waterfront where uh they you know they're they're not knocking it all down mm-hmm. um of course they're going to be redoing the inside to make it into a, a residence yeah uh but they've preserved uh you know equipment and, and these structures on the on the outside and turn and made it into into these functional uh walkways and mm-hmm. you know just uh, you know parts of the of the new park yeah. uh so i i would you know i would consider that a kind of a successful adaptation um chelsea and, market huh? is kind of chelsea markets kind of along that line too where it's still pretty modern but they preserved some of the older aspects of it for when you're walking through it yeah like, oh i can see how this was an old like nabisco factory <laughs> yeah unfortunately there's just too many tourists that so you know, distract you from all of these uh great aspects but uh, you know one of the events that we do uh and, and also in this eco uh down this eco route uh is the house of collection uh is this woman's apartment in a former bookbinding factory oh. in, William- in williamsburg and she moved there 30 around 30 years ago uh and since then she had she was a big collector um but you know uh friends would bring over interesting items and she would figure out how to curate it for her apartment uh and yeah you walk in and it's just like this eclectic bazaar but you know but everything has a purpose everything has a story and you know that's what's makes it interesting it's not just for show 
Was right. this woman Meryl Streep in Mary Poppins <laughs> Returns? Because that sounds exactly like the character she played in that she movie. She keep her identity hidden. No, unfortunately, it's a... It's, it's Meryl it's in not, a wig. It's Meryl. Yeah, that, like it could be. You know, I'm, I'm not... I should take a look at uh, some photos of <laughs> of who I've been meeting and, um, you know, and, uh, and Meryl Streep in, in a wig. <laughs> She's a very transformative actress. It could have been it her. It could have been her. Uh, but, uh, you know, here... You know, here's here's an example of you know while well, repurposing a historic structure for you know to give you you know give it your own flavor. I mean, she has a she has a garden inside the apartment, like and a hose to water the plants. Um, Good for her. Yeah, That's uh, so much work. You know, tools from you know found on a abandoned farm of West Virginia, or old family photos of ancestors, or you know a piano from you know this family, or cash register from Wyoming from a hundred years ago. Uh, but it's not just like, oh, I bought it at the, you know, antique show. It's, this is someone's and this is the person who gave it to me and this is the story behind it. Uh, and you know, those are important things to think about for any, any, you know, tour or event, right? Um, what's the story? It's like, if you walked into the Met and you said, oh my God, this this looks like, you know, such a historic structure. What's the story behind this? And if they said, oh, it was built, uh, last month. There'd be a little of a, a little bit of a letdown, right? Because it's, it's like it's beautiful, but there's no story. You know, there are no stories, uh, you know, um, uh, connected connected with it yet. So, um, you know, having those items in the house of collection that also have tell those stories, um, you know, helps you know makes it into a very special place. Yeah, and also inspires people to figure out how you know how they can make their own house of collection. Mm-hmm. Oh, I would love to live in a house of collection. I'm trying. I'm getting there. <laughs> You're getting there. Yeah, this is a lot uh, of this is nice. Quirky things. It's a fine line between being a house of collection and a hoarder house. <laughs> yeah, I'm like looking at your refrigerator. You have all these like, great pictures. I have, uh, I have like literally one, one, one or two pictures, and get I, photographer. I, okay, I, exactly. Yeah, but I guess for my apartment. Well, if you came to my apartment, you'd probably be expecting. Oh, this is gonna be like crazy. No, it's like I try to keep it very clean, definitely like a more modern feel. Like there's no, it's a pretty boring uh, apartment, but it's my Zen zone. Mm-hmm. Um, since I work there, I just want it to be like normal. Yeah, uh, I see a lot of interesting stuff every day. Mm-hmm. I don't have to bring it bring it home, uh, per se. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there are any other like big repurposed places in New York. I'm thinking of the museum where it was an elevator shaft and then it was turned into. Oh, I think, well, I think it's called museum with both two M's. Oh yeah. I, I was just saying it's like, mm, museum. <laughs> museum. Mm, museum. See that, that's a museum that needs a question mark at the end. Cause it's yeah. like museum. Mm, is this, museum? is this a legitimate museum? But, uh, that's a absolutely quirky, uh, location. Um, yeah. there was, uh, R.I.P. Unfortunately, uh, the Elevator Museum was right oh, here. Oh yeah, it used Long to be here in Long Island City. I, think I tried I'm... to go once, and I like buzzed to get in, and the guy was like, "Who are you?" And I was like, "I'm here for the museum." And he was like, "We're closed." He was awesome. Yeah, it was the second story of a taxi. Yeah, uh, like, you had to go up those like long stairs yeah, to the taxi big brown door. And then uh, he would smoke uh, inside, which you just can't find that these days anymore. Oh, the classic the, New York. Oh, uh, classic New York. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, that that doesn't exist. Uh, and, you know, and unfortunately, that is a story too of um, you know disappear, you know, vanishing New York and some of these uh, 
you know, things that make it quirky and, and make it fun mm-hmm. are disappearing. But, um, you know, fortunately, it's a, it's a big city, so there are, you know, other people kind of uh, carry, There's always carrying someone the there to take your place. There's always someone there, yeah. Uh, like we talked, well, we talked about uh, Rev Jen and the Troll Museum. And, you know, this is a woman who uh, had uh, had the most diverse troll collection in the world. And she troll doll collection. Troll doll, yes, not thank you. Not like real, a, not real trolls. Not yeah, not like a Harry Potter. Yeah, we're troll. talking yeah, like, like the blue a, hair and the tummies that yeah. had a like color on it. Uh, but uh, yeah, and she she lived in a I think it was a six story walk. Uh, I think was, she was on the six. It was a hefty. Walk. It was a it was a hefty walk, and it wasn't the largest of apartments, but uh, she really made it into her own mm-hmm. uh, by just decking it out with all these troll dolls and tr- and not just the actual troll dolls themselves, but troll doll memorabilia so blankets and i remember there was a sleeping bag there was a sleeping bag (laughs) and i think i'm sure someone someone used it you know yeah uh you know and unfortunately yeah that doesn't exist anymore and so uh that was a great way of not only repurposing her apartment as a museum but also putting life behind these old things that i think could so easily like troll dolls from the 80s before they revamped trolls like three years ago could have so easily wound up in a landfill but instead she was like send them to me i'll make a museum which was pretty cool yeah no it's a it requires one person to kind of make that happen Mm -hmm. someone needs to take initiative to kind of follow their their oddities follow their uh, odd passions yeah absolutely the hand me up club is hosted by Lindsay ruter Recorded and engineered by Adam Zucker and edited by Caitlin Correa at CC Media. Thanks for listening.